Great. So now we're a couple of days past the first Democratic pre- presidential debate. A lot of hot takes, a lot of opinions. Um, How do you think it go- went? Well, you know, um, I tried to watch as much of it as I can. Some of it was rather painful because of the uh, confusion and people stepping on each other's words and comments. Uh, But uh, comedian Bill Maher the other night eliminated 10 of the 20 uh, from the list. And the sooner we can get to that point of getting down to 10, I think the debate then will be more substantial and it won't be so much the sound bites and uh, who got whom and uh, those kind of gotcha stuff that is so prevalent in media today, but really doesn't give any real substance. And based upon the two nights talking about winners and losers, obviously is super premature. But uh, some people did very well uh, just in the short time that they had. But in terms of the campaign itself, overall, it's just the beginning. In, in years past, do, how quickly does the field start paring down? Well, I got to believe that uh, some of them are going to be thinking immediately that uh, maybe they should drop out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it with the first podcast as being a job interview. Some of them may continue that sort of ilk, but at a certain point, it just becomes an ego trip. On the plus side, showing the depth of the bench, potentially, that the Democratic Party has, uh, I don't think it's a depth of bench relative to president, but depth of bench relative to running for different offices. And some of these folks, if they lower their sights a bit, I think really can be successful and get on a path toward really becoming a leader in our community, in our country. Uh, so that's why getting to the 10, I think, really would be helpful so we can really get to where we need to be relative to the issues and what the basic platform's going to be. And it's not, as I said, the gotchas and this potential circular firing squad. So since we weren't able to get, get that depth and get it really into the, the issues and people's stances um, uh, too much, what, what was noteworthy to you? What came, what did you come out of this? Well, it reinforced what we said the last time. For me, the top four are pretty clear. Uh, both uh, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, uh, in the short time that they had, both did well, appointed themselves well. The two old guys, Bernie and uh, Biden, uh, had uh, rough days. Uh, Bernie was just Bernie and Biden. Uh, people got to remember uh, in the re-election of Obama in 2012, remember the first debate he had with Romney? He did really badly in it, and people were really upset. You can't judge this on uh, one debate or one issue, whether it's how he voted back in the 70s on the issue of uh, court-mandated or federal-mandated busing. Uh, so it's going to take some time to sort this out. But I think uh, it gave notice to Biden, and it gave notice to a lot of people that uh, there's some real good candidates running. But uh, the 10 is where we need to be so we can get more depth, and then it's going to be a whittle down from there. I think I used the word willow before, but whittle is what I mean by Mm -hmm. getting down to a workable number where we can really have some good discussion. At this point, what what would your 10 be? 
Well, you know, the uh, I don't know if I can say it right off the top of my head, but the four that I've mentioned, Cory Booker's still in there, uh, Beto's gone, uh, Castro did uh, a good job, but, you know, you're not going to be able to win on immigration alone, so he's got to share what his other positions are. Uh, Tusi Gabbard from Hawaii, I think, although uh, not a lot in vo- uh, quantity, but in terms of substance, and the fact that she was attacked for past positions on uh, LGBTQ, people don't come out of the womb with progressive ideas in the best uh, point of view. They're subject to how they're brought up, mm-hmm. their families, their community, so forth and so on. So her willingness to look at mistakes being made and fixing them and talking about uh, how she looks at the world now is really important. So she's still in it. Um, I don't know, the senator from New York, what's her name, the one that got rid of uh, uh, the senator from Minnesota, what's her name, her name slips in mind, there's so many, uh, I don't, I think she's just too strident and too narrow, um, so I don't think she's still in it. Um, DeBasio, the mayor of New York City, he's not in it anymore, um, he should be running for mayor, uh, governor. So I, that, that's some of it. Um, that's how I see the the mayor. Um, Kristen Gil- Gillibrand. Right, Gillibrand and uh, Mayor Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's his name? Buddha. Buddha Judge. That's how you pronounce his name. Uh, did a good job, but he's the mayor of a small city. You know, he should run for governor or run for senator or congress or something and put in a little more time. But I liked how he appointed himself. But I think it's still with the four and then Cory Booker's around the edges. But uh, there's only going to be so much room for an African-American candidate. And I think Kamala Harris is really establishing herself as that candidate. What are you looking for going into the the next round when it when is the next debate it's in uh, late july in detroit um you know the the thing that i come away from the first debates i really look at the preparation that kamala harris's staff must have done uh being able to get a sense of uh what scripted things she wanted to have in her pocket to throw out on the table at the right time. The thing about the food fight and the public doesn't want a food fight and get everybody in line in terms of that second night was really a great line, but it was rehearsed and someone had thought that this is gonna come up and this is what you can use. The thing about uh, being offended or heartstruck by uh, Biden's vote back in 70, uh, that's going to work one time. The line about being, and I was that little girl, that's going to happen one time. It's done. Uh, It's not going to keep happening. And the interesting thing in the general election, stuff that the Democrats are attacking Biden or each other on, Trump's not going to be able to do it. Trump's not going to be able to attack Biden on his votes on busing. Right. You know, so again, it's the primary versus the general. But I think the challenge for Biden is that he took it on the chin a bit. You know, let's see what happens. He's still polling in the 30s, low 30s. Uh, Kamala's gone up. Uh, she's probably up there with Warren and then Bernie's both. So it's still the top four. But that's the thing. Uh, Cory Booker may try to pull it out and be offended by how Biden voted. 
I think Biden's staff really didn't do a good job for him in preparing. And I know it's a double-edged sword, but you got to let Bernie be Bernie. And they're afraid if he's not scripted, he's going to go off the rails and say something stupid. But that's also his strength, being sincere and saying what he's feeling and how he's changed. Uh, you got to let him do that. And so it's going to be interesting. Again, the staff for uh, Kamala Harris uh, really had some very good insights in terms of looking at what potentially could happen. So she had some scripted things. Those didn't come off the top of her head. Right. But that's good prep work. You know, and Biden's people just sort of went in there and tried to script him. And he's not a scriptable, scriptable guy. His, his strength is going to be his sincerity and his folksiness and being able to talk directly to people. And it's going to be, again, a double-edged sword for him in terms of his record and things that he's done. But he's done a ton of stuff. So he's got to make, he's made mistakes. He's had victories. He's got to focus on what he's done with Obama. Uh, but uh, again, remember that first uh, debate with Mitt Romney? Obama really didn't do well at all, and everybody was really worried. And then the next debate, he really came back. Now, I'm not saying Biden is all Obama, but uh, uh, I wouldn't be too worried about it. We need to see what happens. But uh, Kamala Harris, I think the challenge for Kamala is that she's got to look at where her positions are going to be. She's already walking back the whole thing about Medicare for all. Because if she comes out against private insurance, I, I understand what people are saying, but a lot of people have private insurance and they're happy with it. So saying you're going to take that off the table is really a tough position to have. So if you look at how things lay out, the only real credible candidate for the moderate and the centrist is Biden. And then you have Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, less so, and several of the others, Andrew and others, that are going for the progressive vote. So they're going to cut that all up. Biden's the only one that's sort of the centrist moderate. So I see Kamala Harris as she continues to rise, if she does, which I think she will, she's going to have to start moving to the right, not to the left. The left is there. It's taken over, trying to go left with all that crowded part of the the political spectrum already there. She's got a sort of edge to the right. Right. Where's the land? Where's the the land available? Right for her to to grab. The, right. The political land. Exactly. And then if she can get over there a little bit, and the woman's vote's gonna be tough because you got some really quality women. Uh, even though the senator from New York, she's got a great track record also. And so there's a good number of women. Uh, the uh, uh, new age thinker, the philosopher woman, uh, I forgot her name, Marianne, I think something. But uh, she's she hopefully won't be in this too long. Um, and that that's how I think it plays out. I see moving forward... Uh, this is just the beginning. Kamala Harris has got to watch how she steps. And she can't go... She's not going to out-left Bernie or Elizabeth Warren. Right. Uh, so she's got to find... I think there's open real estate on the Biden side. That uh, she could be just a little less left. She can't be socialist. She's got to walk back in the decal for all. 
you know, Biden's got a real good position relative to the moderates in terms of adding and advancing Obamacare. So it's going to be interesting how they jockey for position. But with 20 people, it's not going to help anybody. 10, we're going to start getting to where it has an impact in terms of people saying, ooh, I like this person. It is interesting as people, as all the candidates are jockeying for position, how much, how do you balance pushing hard with your stances and your beliefs and, and your positioning versus letting yourself kind of go with the flow and finding that, okay, because it makes sense, right? The left, the far left is, is the further left you go, it's more, more and more busy, right? So it, naturally pushes you towards the middle a little bit more so do you allow yourself to to would kamala or whoever would allow themselves to kind of go with the current that way well that's the problem when you look at the election relative to the primary election versus the general election in the democratic primary the delegates that vote they're the ones that are much more to the left and so as you try to appeal to them to get their vote, particularly in California where Kamala's got to do really well, you know, when you look at that, as she tacks to the left to try to get the primary vote, she's got to keep in mind that she's got to be more in the middle to get the general vote. And as this thing gets all divvied up, you know, in terms of who gets what part of the vote, it's going to be slicing the bologna pretty thin on the progressive side. And with the other moderates, they're, they're not even going to be in it. I mean, some of these folks that uh, I came with, Tim, the congressman and the ex-governor of Colorado, and uh, those folks aren't going to be in it. So they're going to vacate the model, moderate middle part, and it's just going to be there for Bernie unless he just totally self-destructs. And so, again, I go back to my original thesis about looking at this as a bi-generational, bi-gender uh, ticket. Not not just the presidential candidate, but the ticket. And so you could attack Bernie and say, well, his time is up, as he said, uh, uh, to give a soundbite to all of his enemies. You know, his time is up. You're right, Joe. Your time is up. This attacking the older folks, saying you guys ought to just get out of the way. If Bernie and Biden attacked the young people, said you inexperienced knuckleheads, get out of the way, people would be up in arms. So this ageism is, I think, going to be problematic when you look at how the voters are. And if you look at in the empirical data, there's going to be a good turnout for presidential, as there always is. But the folks that carry the day are the older ones, not the young ones. Getting them to vote is going to be tough. And then you look at the ethnic vote, the African-American votes, great vote. They're registered already. They vote once they decide who their candidate's going to be. And I believe they're going to really be uh, jazzed and stick with Kamala to a certain point. But they're going to have Bernie, uh, Biden, in their peripheral vision for sure. And those who start playing it safe are going to go with Biden. I think uh, Bernie, I think Elizabeth Warren, they both have problems with communities of color, of the black vote, the Latino vote, the Asian vote. They don't have people that are really good surrogates for them in that arena, nor have they gotten a history. And so the white progressive vote, the white youth vote, 
Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. Some of it's going to seep over definitely to Kamala Harris, particularly out of the uh, West Coast. And then the African-American vote, they're going to be looking at... They're pragmatic voters. You know, and again, it's interesting because... uh, this birther thing trying to make the point, the right wing making the point of that uh, Kamala's not black. You know, she's Jamaican and Indian. And that's what they were saying about Obama. It's like they're starting to bring out the old playbook. You know, Obama wasn't really African-American enough. You know, he was half and then he's from Hawaii and he's got uh, Thai American uh, half-sister or something like So... It's going to be interesting how the right places and how the Republicans are looking at the debate and taking copious notes, and uh, they're going to have a lot to work with. The problem is their messenger is not very good. Right. He's too undisciplined. They asked him about busing after the after the debate, and he he's obviously surprised and said mumbled something about. We've been we've been busing for a long time or something. Trump did. Yeah. Well, the the busing thing is a great article in the L.A. Times today. You know, you you can talk about busing and desegregation integration, but ultimately it only went one way. You know, it didn't integrate into the inner city. It went out. Right. Ironically, with gentrification, the inner cities being integrated. You know, except that the people that were forced to live there because they couldn't go anywhere else are now being pushed out. You know, the losers keep losing and the winners keep winning. So this busing thing, I think, is going to be an issue for a while that people are going to bring up. This is from the 70s. Nothing new. You know, and in the South, busing was different than in the West. You know, segregation. But we're talking about people living in communities where there's a school down the street, but it's a white school, and you can't go to it because you're black. I mean, the thing about volunteer busing or what ended up to be the magnet program and stuff to try to integrate schools, uh, it has a spotty uh, results record that uh, I don't know how deeply people are going to go into. And we're not going to litigate the election in 2020 based upon issues in 1970. Right. If we do, the Democrats lose. I'd be interesting, interested to watch Biden. Because anytime you're a front runner or at, at the front of the pack in a race, it's... It's always interesting to see how those folks run their team or their campaign, right? Do you a lot a lot of people um, they fall back on being conservative, trying to maintain the lead, trying to keep in front instead of pushing forward and trying to 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 gain even more gap in between you and the and the people following behind. So it'll be interesting to see how him as a suppose you know quote unquote front runner. Um, attacks it. That's so true, say. It's like, are you going to play the game to not lose or are you going to play the game to win? But I think the the Biden people can take some solace. You knew he was going to mess up somewhere. Everybody's going to mess up in one of these debates. 
so good. He did it early. It wasn't totally a disaster. It was not good. But he got it out of the way. Hopefully he learns from it. He's tested now. He took one on the chin. You know, do they have a glass chin or not? So I think in some ways it's going to be good for that to get out of the way and for him then to be able to look at what he needs to correct early on. This is going to be forgotten soon enough. Yeah. And the other side of the coin is that Kamala's gone from someone that just wasn't moving after a good start to now she's in the top four. So now that target isn't on other people's backs. It's on her back. So they're going to start looking into her record. And I don't know how Cory Booker handles this. It was interesting on the first debate, Mary uh, Binger DeBasio from uh, New York tried to out-black Cory Booker by saying, I'm the only one up here on the dais of the ten of us that has a black son. And I have to explain to him what's going on relative to the issues with the police. You know, that's a pretty bold statement to say, you know, and I obviously adopted a black son, which is true, I believe. But Cory Booker ended up trying to have to say, well, I'm black too, you know. And that's not how you win this thing. So I don't know if he goes after Kamala to try to fight for his share of the black vote. Uh, He's definitely going to go after Biden because Biden's the front runner, but... Corey's in a weird position. On on one hand, he tries to play this Obama-esque, you know, bring people together, red, blue, we're all all purple. He has that kind of approach in his soaring uh, oratory. And then he becomes the angry black man, you know, and he's one of the co-sponsors of the reparations bill right now. So I don't know how that plays. So it's going to be interesting how people piece this together. I wonder if a lot of them go. This this journey helps them really figure out, you know, either form formulate their like how they're going to be when they make that when they legitimately try to make that next big step and run for president. Right, this is where they really flush it out. Right, Cory Booker, like he's not going to be he's not going to be the the candidate, but you know realistically but does he go through this process and figure that out yeah right like this is how i can put my spin on you know trying to have that obama-esque element but still be whatever you know he wants to be type of deal i i think that hits the nail right on the head that's what i think a lot of the motivation is for some of these candidates right is to use this a test run you know to learn and the thing that um, the Senate Cory Booker's got to learn is that he can't be Obama. He's got to be Cory Booker. So what is that? You know, he's got a great backstory. You know, but uh, just like you said, using this as an opportunity to to really figure out how he can move forward. But so much of this in politics, if not all of it, but so much of this in politics is timing. Right time, the right place, and you hope you're the right person. And if one of those three things isn't right, it doesn't happen. Not in politics.